can open your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're going to look at the passage where those last words of Jesus about freedom and being free come from. I know it's hard to believe, you know, what with my youthful look and fervor about me. Um, Susan and I are in the next 12 months going to be both turning, turning 50, which means I cut my teeth literally in the late 60s and early 70s. And even from uh, a, a little child, I still remember that the late 70s, early set, or late 60s, early 70s were, were, were all about freedom and being free. It was, you know, being free was kind of a big deal. You know, there was free love, which we won't talk about here. Um, there was the freedom train that came through Chattanooga. I remember this. It was celebrating the bicentennial of the United States of America, 1776 to 1976. But really, it was the music of the era that captured this idea of what it truly meant to be free. And I'm going to date myself a little bit here, and I'm going to really date some of you. But who can forget, freedom's just another word for what? Nothing left to lose, right? Rocking in a free world. You know, no, no, no 70s playlist is, is complete without Free Bird, of course. But my personal favorite by the Edgar Winters band was Free Ride. Remember that? I requested that for our worship set today, but I was denied by the elders. Thankfully, you know, freedom is a cherished value for us Americans, isn't it? We kind of have this idea that we do what we want, when we want, how we want, with, with whom we want. It's sort of a philosophical existential question for us to kind of ponder here as we look at the words of Jesus is, how free are you, really? How free am I? Are you free not to go to work tomorrow or to pay your mortgage? Are you free to disobey with impunity all the traffic laws of Leon County? You can talk to our officer friend in the lobby on your way out today. Kids, children, teenagers, are you free to drop out of school without talking to your parents? And some of you are like, yeah, man, I'm talking. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. See, on one hand, this idea we can do what we want when we want, I mean, I guess in a sense it's true in theory, right? But in reality, most of us have to admit not so much. There are certain realities, constraints, restrictions that sort of bind us to what we do and who we are. And the video you just saw, which we're going to circle back around to, in a minute, has Jesus weighing in on this issue of what it means to be truly free? What does it mean to have freedom? And we're going to look for a few minutes at John chapter 8, where Jesus is having a discussion with the religious leaders of the day. And the issue on the table is what makes a person truly free? Have you thought about that for you? Have you thought about that for your kids? Have you thought about that for your life and your choices? And the answer might surprise us. I'm going to invite you to stand. And the, and the reason we do this at Four Oaks, we stand when we read the Bible, is we're not here ultimately to hear my take on life. Okay, My take is just like your take. It's just one of many takes. We're here to hear God's take on life. We stand under the authority of his word, and we want it to speak to us. So we're going to flash the words on the screen, just a few verses. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Comes the first verse. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And here's the the clincher. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You take your seats. Jesus makes this statement, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the, the religious leaders are just incredulous about this. They, after all, are God's chosen people. They are the privileged. They are the spiritually elite. They are the religious blue buds of the day. They had this attitude of no one, nowhere, no time can, can sort of stand above us. We, we are not enslaved to anyone. It would just be like someone telling you today that, that you really, truly don't have any choices as an American when you know everything built around your day today is about choices, is it not? You, you chose for a reason to come to the 11 o'clock service versus the 9 o'clock service. The 9 o'clock service beat both you and the Baptist to lunch, and so I'm so sorry. You, you, you chose what kind of donut to eat. You, cho- you chose where to generally park. You, I mean, our, our, our lives are just full of choices. I mean, as Americans, it's just crazy talk to think that we are anything but 100% autonomous in charge of our lives. And Jesus, to use a sports metaphor from Sports Center, pulls a Lee Corso here, though, and says, Not so fast, my friends. Let me let you think about this in a different way. The way he does this, look at verse 35. He compares a son to a slave, a son to a slave. Now, understand something slavery in antiquity, in that particular Roman Greek culture, was, was similar, but in many ways not similar to what we think of in terms of slavery in the United States of America. In fact, it was not a bad existence. It oftentimes was a desirable experience, mainly because with, with being a slave came certain privileges. In that culture, you were protected. You had security. You had food. You had shelter. You had a place to lay your head. You had a place to call home, a people that you identified with. In fact, Slaves were such a part of the household oftentimes that it was impossible from the outside to distinguish between who was a slave and who was a son. You, you, you never, just from the outside, from a distance, oftentimes you couldn't, you couldn't tell. Just like this morning when I look out over you guys and I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life. When you watch that video, I know some of you were triggered because you were like, ooh, that hits close to home. Infidelity and anger and self-sufficiency and depression and fear of death and whoa, whoa, yeah, those are, and, and we, nobody knows. Nobody knows it, because it's, it's happening subtly underneath the surface. And the same thing was true for a slave, that even though they appeared to be part of the house, they appeared to be part of the family, deep down, every slave knew differently. 
Every slave knew that at any time they could be carted off to a new master. They could be traded. They could be sold. They could be disposed of. There was this sort of chronic insecurity that every slave lived with. That's why Jesus says the slave does not remain in the house forever. Only the son remains in the house forever. Eight or ten years ago, um, the Academy Award-winning movie 12 Years a Slave came out. It's the autobiographical story of, of a slave named Solomon Northrup. And I say he was a slave. He, he, wasn't, he was actually a, a freeman. He was, he was an African-American man that lived in New England. He was very successful, had a wife and children. He was an accomplished musician. And when his family was on a trip at one point, he was, he was coerced into coming down to Washington, D.C., which is very near the, the Mason-Dixon line, to, he was told, perf- perform and be a part of this particular show. While he was there, he was kidnapped and, con- and subsequently sold into slavery into the Deep South, into Louisiana. And that's, that movie and that story, it's very compelling Kind of, kind of tracks his journey for 12 years as he lives that life of insecurity, knowing that he was created and that he was truly in his heart of hearts a free man, but he was not experiencing freedom. Now, we're eight to 10 years later from that movie, and so no spoiler alerts, but go watch it, okay? Highly, highly compelling. Jesus says, that's just what it's like for you and I spiritually. So you look at verse 34. He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now that word practices means walks in, makes a habit of, is, is part of the routine. In other words, it's so common, it's just like breathing air. You and I cannot not do it. It's just simply a part of our nature that we do the things that we don't want to do. And even when we're doing the things we think we want to do, in the end, we know it doesn't yield us what we desire. So again, going back to, to the video you saw a second ago, what you, what, what you really witnessed there, and I know some of the words were hard to hear because sin is hard to write down. But these are things that enslaved people. Those were not actors, by the way. Those were real people with real pain and real scars and points of real bondage in their life. And they are testifying that these were things that bound me. I was enslaved to them. So here's a pretty provocative question for you. What are you enslaved to? Now, you may say, oh, that's just great, Pastor Paul. That way to throw down the Easter gauntlet, right? The one time you get me, uh, you've got me cornered, and stop all this religious, spiritual talk. I'm not enslaved. I'm doing what I want to do. Well, let me turn it around a little for a minute and ask you this. What do you fear? Well, that's something we can all resonate with. Notice I didn't ask, do you fear? Or do you have a fear? Because you and I both know we all do. The question is, what do you fear? And if you could have some insight into what you fear, then I can probably tell you 
with high probability, likelihood, what you might be enslaved to, what I might be enslaved to. You know, if your great fear is of death or of sickness, you will be enslaved to improving your body, improving your health, improving your fitness at all costs. If your fear is being poor, you'll be a workaholic. You'll be enslaved to your job and ambition and spending and debt. If you're afraid of not being in the inner ring, as C.S. Lewis said, or the inner circle, you will, you will live in constant fear of, of not having status, and you'll do anything to achieve it. Or maybe your fear is more relational. You're, you're afraid of being alone. And if you're afraid of being alone, if that's what drives you, you will be enslaved to unhealthy relationships, abusive partners, illicit sexual activity, Maybe you're a man approaching, approaching your midlife. I don't know why they call it midlife. You're closer to death than you are to life, okay? <laughs> but you may be living in fear of boredom. Oh, my goodness. My life's not going to amount to anything. So you're enslaved to some sort of addiction, right? Substance, drink, gambling, pornography, what have you. See, if you can find out what you fear, you have a pretty good chance of putting your finger on what it is that is your master. You know, we're quoting a lot of music this morning. Bob Dylan, everybody serves somebody. Who, who are you serving? Now, there's two problems with this that Jesus points us to. And, 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 and one is just very practical. And this is kind of the Dr. Phil problem, I call it. Okay. Question, is it working for you? Is, is, is that, is that 24 seven battle where you spend a thousand dollars on your bod? Is that working? Okay. Or do you find like me, things are constantly moving towards the point of entropy, right? Hey, are, are, you know, you love the adrenaline rush of whatever particular addiction that's caught you this season, but is it paying off? Is it really bringing fulfillment? Is it really bringing peace of mind and heart and conscience? Hey, I know you're alone. I know you're lonely. But when you seek out unhealthy relationships and you go home at night, isn't that hole in your heart still right there? See, one way to think about this is it working for you. But here's a more important question to ask. By the way, we know the answer to that one. We, we, we all know. We all know deep down. But the more important question to ask is, is it working spiritually for you and God? You see, Jesus says all these internal battles, these wars, these fears, these, these things that we're enslaved to, they're really symptoms of a deeper kind of enslavement. And it's the enslavement to sin itself. You see, sin alienates us from God. It's our, it's our most fundamental problem. God created us to know him, to be in relationship with him, to worship him. And when we're enslaved, we're, the spiritual chasm is wide and is deep, and we find ourselves distant from God. But yet, verse 32, God points us to a path forward. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we may say, Pastor Paul, what truth is Jesus talking about here? What is the path to true freedom? Verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
And here is not a promise that all of your fears are going to be gone in this life, or you'll never struggle with idols or enslavement. And, and that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's simply saying, through me, you have a new master. Through me, your shame, your guilt, your alienation is wiped away. In me, you have a new start. In me, you have true forgiveness. Do you see the video up there? Just the living with the enslavement to not being able to forgive. Jesus says, in me, I have forgiven you. I have given you a clean heart. I have given you a clear conscience. In me, now, you can have eternal life because I have sent my son to die in your place, to rise again, to rescue you, to restore relationship with me. You know, you may have come here as a slave today, but let me just say you can leave as a son or daughter. That through Jesus Christ, God is for you, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, what you've been enslaved to. And some of you may say, Pastor Paul, if you knew what I was enslaved to, if you knew my deepest, darkest secrets, you... It would be over for me. No, 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 no. By acknowledging those things, you are on the path, you are on the beginning to restored relationship with Jesus Christ. He who is faithful and just, when we confess our sins, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mercy, grace, and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus means when he says, In me, through the Son, you will be free, free indeed. Not just freed in this life, but freed eternally to be with him. Now let me just say, some of you may say, Pastor Paul, that's a lot to absorb on Easter. That's not what I was anticipating and all that. I don't quite get it. That's all right. Just hang around a little bit. Watch the work of God's grace in other people's lives whom he has freed by his death and resurrection for them. I want to point you to a couple of stories you're going to hear about right now. Hey, I'm Sarah Butler. I go to Child High School. I'm in the 10th grade, and I've been coming to Four Oaks for about a year. So I've kind of grown up in the church in the sense that I went to church and I went to the Greek church with my stepmother every other Sunday I would go. It was kind of confusing because I would go and it was, it was, it was all Greek to me, <laughs> literally and figuratively. And I would go and I would sit there and I would watch everyone else and I see how into it they would be and I was kind of like jealous like I wanted to be a part of it I wanted to experience what they were experiencing eventually I had a friend of mine and he brought me to this church the Dear Lake United Methodist Church and so I went there and the first night like I just felt so welcomed I walked in and everyone welcomed me and I was excited so music came on and the lights went down and 
so I sat there for a few seconds and then I decided I was gonna go. And so I went up there and I knelt down and I cried, I bawled. And then after a while of that, I was just telling Christ, it was kind of like I prayed, I was praying. I went and I was like, Christ, take me, take me, do with me what you want, do anything I will do, I will do anything that you want me to do. I just wanted to be all of his because I know I am not mine, I am his in every essence. I had a friend of mine and another friend of mine and he brought me to Four Oaks actually and I started going there and I came in and again I, I was welcomed. I was, it was like Christ was like, well this is your home honey. And so I stayed and I went to as many sermons as I could. I was, I was just listening. I was, it was like he was feeding me. Very recently, I went on a beach retreat with Four Oaks, and we, our whole, all of our sermons were on community. And one of the verses that Pastor Rob showed us said, God, it was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I read that verse, and it just kind of hit me, because it reminded me of how undeserving we are and how perfect he is, yet God sent him to die for us. And now that gives us an opportunity to be renewed and to a fresh start basically for all of us and this is how I'm living my life now based on that verse. They say whoa baptisms on Easter you're not supposed to do that that's like that, that you you slipped one in on us pastor hey in the early church Easter was the prime time for baptisms and it was because then people could most clearly identify this new life in Christ is my new life. I have a new master. I have a new, I have a new boss who loves me, cares for me, is walking beside me, who's forgiven me, who's restored me. And it's in that spirit that Sarah is here presenting herself for baptism. Sarah, do you profess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are, are you here following him in obedience to baptism? Yes, sir. And it's our great privilege as your pastors to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I am in 10th grade. I'm 15 and I go to Childs High School. My parents are Mike and Wendy Lassiter and I've been going to Four Hooks for a really, really long time. He is my light, my strength, my song. I was raised in a Christian home my whole entire life and I've gone to mostly Christian schools except for uh, Childs High School, which is where I go now. And I have really noticed um, the love and kindness in my parents parents and other adults around me like go through me and not only them loving me but also loving what I care about what I believe in and I just 
realized that that love was because they loved Jesus and they loved God and they cared about the gospel and they wanted me to care about the gospel too. And that just really hit me and I wanted to be like them and I wanted to love God and I wanted to love Jesus and I wanted just for that to reflect others. In seventh grade, I got the certificate for completing the year and just being done with CCA for that year. And on the back, my teacher, Mr. Kaufman, wrote um, Proverbs 31, 25. And I just remember getting that and being so happy that I had gotten it because that meant that, Sky, you're on the right path. You're getting there. You, you're not there yet. You never will be there, but you will. You're on the right path, so keep it up. Keep up the work. And I just know that one day I want people to look at me and be like, she fears the Lord. She loves the Lord. Well, in the past years, I have started to notice that I can really see a person's strengths and struggles. And just by being able to see that, I can connect with them better. And my extroverted personality and just being able to see that stuff helps me connect with people and be not afraid to talk to them and be like, hey, is something wrong? Can I help? And if somebody asks a question, I can be like, well, Jesus is why I am the way I am and I just love him. I want to get baptized because I want to publicly show that I fear and trust and love the Lord with all my heart and that I would like others to be able to go, hey, there's something different about her. And it's like, oh, she's a Christian. She's been baptized. Like Jesus was baptized. And just to show publicly that I love the Lord and I care for the Lord. Here in the power of Christ, no, no, Sky, your, your dad's here. Your mom is here. Your dad works at Child's where you go to school. How is that working for you? <laughs> it's working okay. It's working okay, she said, Dad. It's good. Because I just love student testimonies. I love student baptisms. Um, Sarah, Sky, just to be able to say, this was, this was when I proclaimed to the Lord, Jesus is my new master. And, and I love him, and he laid his life down for me. So, Sky, are you, do you profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and are you presenting yourself to be baptized in obedience to Jesus today? Yes. It's our great privilege as your pastors to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have one more, and this is a special one. Um, this is just one of those really cool things when, because you're not quite as young as these ladies, Andrew, and when God grabs a hold of someone's heart with the gospel, it doesn't matter what age, what circumstance, what time in your life, and Andrew um, has a testimony in this way that I think you'll really appreciate. Andrew, we'd love to hear how you came to know the Lord. Thank you. Um, before finding... One second. Hello? Okay. That was making me even more nervous. Yeah. Then, so. um, before finding Christ, I thought uh, I was in control of things around me. Uh, the next promotion at work or when to have our next biological child. Um, then things started happening that, looking back, were obviously not in my control. Um, God was with me. Um, some of you may have been here um, for my wife, Vanessa's uh, 
testimony last Easter. Um, I shouldn't have looked at her. That makes me cry. Uh, um, when uh, our, our, her faith journey began with our youngest child, Owen, asking about God and us not having a clue, um, at the time and for a while, I was really just a bystander, uh, witnessing Vanessa, learning from friends of the church, uh, listening and reading Bible stories uh, at bedtime with the kids, um, coming to Four Oaks uh, every Sunday, uh, see what it was all about. Um, then this control that I thought I had uh, kind of went out the window. Uh, our plan for another biological child came to a screeching halt when Vanessa was rushed into um, the emergency, into emergency surgery for an ectopic pregnancy. Um, God was telling us something. Um, adoption had never really entered into my mind as a possibility and never would I have thought uh, of a special needs adoption. Um, so time goes by, our pastors keep preaching. Uh, adoption comes up several times in sermons over the next year and a half. Um, God was telling me something. Um, a special needs adoption was clear to Vanessa from the beginning, but not so much for me. Um, so we started going through the process of researching agencies, um, trying to determine what special needs we could uh, take care of, um, and then we were started to be presented with children, um, and that's when we find uh, Fiona. Um, The information um, on her was minimal. Um, international pediatricians diagnosis were um, really terrifying to me. Um, so I, 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 I did break down for sure. Um, but during that breaking down point from an uncertainty, the only thing I could really think of was to pray. Um, and that was my first realization that these choices weren't in my control. Um, God was with us. Um, so during the adoption process, um, uh, two I call big-time positions open up at work, uh, and at the time, I'm thinking I'm in total control. Uh, I'm doing great in my current role. I just got my MBA. Uh, this was a no-brainer. Um, I didn't get either position. Um, God was telling me something. He was saying I have other more important things to do right now, um, and this was another realization that I'm not in control. Um, and then finally, in September last year, my mother passed away. Um, we had not seen her in years and got the call that no one wants to ever get. Um, she doesn't have much time left. <clears throat> so my sister and I rushed to Colorado to see her. At the time, she hadn't spoken in two weeks. Um, when we got to her, she opened her eyes and said, I love you. Uh, the next days were hard, but I got to say everything that I hadn't said in years, and I prayed for the first time with her next to me. And, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, as I finished my prayer, she passed. Uh, so while there was some uncontrollable emotion for a bit, uh, an unusual calm came over me. Uh, God was telling me that, God was with me and telling me that it was going to be all right. So looking back um, on my life, um, it wasn't working because of my lack of understanding that we have a creator who designed us to need him. So I was trying to accomplish on my own was in vain. Uh, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and brokenness and rose from the grave to prove that he is God. Uh, I entrust my life to him, and now I want to follow him through faith. Uh, I think Jeremiah 29:11 sums this up for me perfectly. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. We're going to ask you to climb up here, Andrew. And let me just say, we met Andrew and Vanessa a little over a year ago. 
And it was an amazing thing for Vanessa you to be baptized last Easter. And I remember meeting Andrew at the time and just thinking, he is not far from the kingdom. And just seeing your testimony of grace and walking that out in faithfulness and praying for him, Vanessa, has been amazing. Andrew, to see God really work in your heart to give you a picture. This is you have adoption now as part of your story. Adoption is your story that you have been adopted as a son of, of Jesus Christ. And it's our great privilege to, to celebrate this time with you. Andrew, are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation and you desire to be baptized in obedience to Jesus today? I am. Then it's our great privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah.